Hey teachers, if you're tired of not knowing how to create your lessons that reach EL newcomers in your classroom in a way that your content is actually accessible to them, and you no longer want to be limited by the constant push to move your ELs forward without concrete understanding behind why simple accommodations in your already existing lessons make all the difference for the newcomers, I have something exciting to share with you. I have compiled every masterclass I have ever recorded on how to teach and reach English learners in a regular education classroom. I am talking strategies, how-tos, and ready-made resources, and have created a digital masterclass library called Light the Way to EL Teaching Success, where you can get instant access to 10 practical and actionable videos eight done-for-you lessons, and one professional development certificate for three hours of your time. If you are looking for practical PD that you can do on your own time and gain all the knowledge you need about teaching English learners from the comfort of your home, Light the Way to Yale Teaching Success Digital Masterclass Library is for you. To learn more and to join, click the link in the show notes, and I cannot wait to see you inside. You're listening to episode 97 of the ESL Teaching Podcast. As I was planning out podcast episodes for the coming month, I thought about things that will be useful for all teachers who work with English learners. As part of my philosophy that all teachers are teachers of language, the idea that popped into my head was quite simple. Let's get back to the basics. So I'm starting a three-part series called You Can't Buy Language at Walmart, Three Essential But Overlooked Details of Teaching Language to EL Newcomers and Beyond. And today I'm circling back to the question, what does it take to acquire another language? In episode 87, I shared all about language confusion, bilingualism, and language competence. So if you want to refresh your memory, please go back to listen again. And in today's episode, I will share with you a brief overview of how language is acquired in general, the five stages of second language acquisition, and why it is important for you to know this information so you can incorporate it into your teaching. Are you ready? Let's get to the episode. Hello and welcome to the ESL Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Yeva Grossless, otherwise known as Simply Yeva, and I am so thankful that you tuned in. I'm looking forward to sharing both my knowledge and experience on this podcast, as well as that of my fellow teachers. Hello, hello, everyone. As human beings and as EL teachers, we already know that language learning is a complex, invisible process. One day, you have no idea what a word means in another language or where a sentence begins or ends, and before long, you're able to utter simple phrases and they mean something to you. But it never ceases to amaze me. So let's take a pause and appreciate what we're learning when we're learning a new language. Learning involves learning thousands of words, rules for how to form those words, and how to put them together in sentences. We're learning a new sound system. We're learning idiots and expressions. We're learning all about culture of people who are speaking that language and so much more. 
In my view, every educator should take this information into serious consideration, especially if you work with English language learners. And the most important takeaway, if nothing else, is that language acquisition and learning take time. That's why I named the first part of the title of the series, You Can't Buy Language at Walmart. There's no going to the store. There's no paying for a language and knowing it by the time you get back home. Yet somehow we expect newcomers to write cohesive paragraphs by the end of their first year here. So the most important goal of this particular episode in this series is to answer the following questions. How do we acquire language in general? What is second language acquisition and how is it similar yet different from first language acquisition? What is the timeline and how does it look in real life? And why is this information important for teachers to know? So let's get to it. And let's start with how language is acquired in general. When a child is born, they're like a blank canvas. I remember watching my kids first, not only physical, like rolling over or reaching for a toy, but also it was so fascinating to see their language developing. Because I also spoke Lithuanian to them, I was curious to see which language would become their go-to, which words they will learn to utter first, and how will they choose to communicate with their siblings and family members. Now, when a child learns their first language, the process is automatic and subconscious. They use their instincts and absorb information from their environment. We do not provide explicit instruction of the vowel sounds and the rules on when to use them and when not, uh, for example, or pronunciation or vocabulary building. We simply talk to the child. We repeat ourselves as many times as we need to. We point, we show, we ask short questions, and the children follow the natural timeline of acquiring the sounds and production of their first language. Hence, it is called acquisition and not instruction. There are a couple of conditions for language learning and acquisition. The first one is producing speech and the comprehension. And the second one is making associations. So production, producing means speaking. Um, and in later phases, it would be writing, especially when we talk about second language acquisition. And comprehension involves listening and understanding. The important and interesting part is that speech production is not necessary for language acquisition. However, comprehension is a must. At first, we learn to understand the language and then we produce it. We tend to measure a person's comprehension by how much language they produce. That's the reality of our life. But let's remember this. Children understand more language than they can produce and all learners understand more words than they can actually speak or write. I will keep going back to my most recent language learning experience, that of learning French, and here's an example. Whenever there is a listening exercise, I am amazed at how much I actually can already understand. The words, the phrases that I learned before when put in new contexts are opening up the doors for me. I am actually understanding it. Now, whenever the phone pops a flashcard in front of me and says, how do you say this in French? I still freeze up. A jumble of words is in my head and I kind of know where to start and what words to use, but to put them in the sentence, I'm not there yet. Now, where do associations come in? 
if we only hear speech, that really doesn't guarantee learning. The speech words language has to make meaning and form associations in our brains. Let's say I want you to remember the word snow. Let's assume you don't know what that means. I can repeat it three times, snow, snow, snow. But if this is your first time ever hearing it, until you see it or even physically experience it, there will be no association of it in your brain. The next thing that I wanted to point out is that language develops in stages and those stages take time. I think the, the point of this episode is that time is necessary for language acquisition. So let's talk about first language acquisition stages. So for the first six months, um, a baby is in the cooing stage. So they are absorbing their environment, they're uh, observing then from six to eight months, we enter the babbling stage. Uh, then we move into one word stage, naming items, and those namings become really uh, heavy with meaning. Uh, or when you say mama, it could mean, you know, just the person, but it could also mean that the child wants something from mama. Then we move into the two or three word utterances, which is around 18 to 36 months. And then we start transforming the language. Language becomes more complex at around age two or three. Now, when we are learning our first language, the process, as I mentioned, is subconscious and natural. And if you think about children's development, it takes years for the first language to develop probably around eight or nine years until they're able to fully coherently express themselves. So same for people who are acquiring their second or third or any other additional language. There are five stages of second language acquisition. And when I go through them, you will hear that some overlap between the stages I shared earlier with the first language. Because EL students already have learned their native tongue, they have something to build on when learning an additional language. So obviously there's no cooing or babbling when learning a second language. And um, the rest of the stages, though, are present and also take a while to develop. So here they are. The first stage of second language acquisition is called pre-production or the silent period. This is when the students have zero to 500 receptive word vocabulary. They're adjusting to the culture in the United States and they're not ready to produce their language yet because they are absorbing everything that is around them and they are the words are settling into their memory. They can listen, they can respond in nonverbal ways to indicate that they understand, uh, but this is all happening in the moment. You ask the question and they will show you that they understand. If you ask them to remember something, that might be a little bit more challenging. Now, the timeline for this varies, but typically it's between zero to six months. And some students begin to try language out immediately and others wait until they're comfortable. I've had students who dive right in and repeat the words and point to the uh, objects. And I've had students who literally were silent for eight months, almost all through the school year. And that is simply how they are learning everything. The second stage of second language acquisition is called early production. 
And this is the phase where is one or two word, uh, words are being uttered and the students are beginning to develop their social language. They have up to a thousand receptive words and uh, this timeline for this is six months to one year. Uh, students understand more of hands-on demonstrations. They may start conversations on their own, uh, but there's a lot of pointing and using single words, and the comprehension and vocabulary are still very limited. Now, uh, you will see that if you have a complete newcomer, even when they learn a few more words, the progress is very, very visible. So this is, even though it seems like it takes a long time, the progress for a newcomer learning a language in the language-speaking environment is seems much faster than uh, for somebody who already came knowing a few words or just like the basics of English. The third stage is called low intermediate, and uh, this is this takes anywhere from one to three years in the United States. Students have up to seven thousand of uh, receptive and active words, and they're able to produce. Okay, so they begin speaking in short phrases and simple sentences. Uh, but the mistakes in grammar and word order, word usage are still very apparent. Um, also, the comprehension and vocabulary are limited. So there's a lot of things that you can do in the classroom to help them out to bring the content to them. So you can already have a conversation. This is the beginnings of the social language, which is so necessary for students to develop first so that they are able to then build on it and move into the academic language. The fourth stage is high intermediate fluency. This uh, happens after the student has spent three to five years in, in the U.S. school. Uh, the words are up to 12,000 words that they might know. And the students have a much uh, better grasp of language and are able to bridge social and academic language, right? So they are able to communicate more clearly. They're able to express themselves more completely. They can participate in social everyday conversation without too much of a context. And that's uh, when, you know, the progress is very visible, <clears throat> Now, the fifth stage is the stage of advanced fluency, and this happens after five to nine years in United States school. So students, the academic language skills are advanced, and they are their communication is on par with the native English speaker. So I want you to pay attention. It takes five to nine years for academic language to develop. So uh, just like for a child to develop their first language, um, just in general is eight years, and then they spend years in school mastering the academic language. An English learner is learning language and content at the same time, and to be considered um, proficient in a language, it takes a long time. Now, which brings me to the final question, why is this important for teachers to know? So I hope while listening to this episode, you have started making connections to your particular teaching situation and your EL students. For example, if you have a newcomer whose first exposure to English learning has started in your classroom, it will make more sense for you to provide lots of repetition, visuals, and ask them to observe, locate, label, or match words, items, and concepts. That is their way of demonstrating comprehension. 
And if they are not ready to produce, not pushing them would be the way to go. And uh, because they might still be in their silent phase. On the other hand, if you have someone whose English journey started prior to joining your classroom, it is important to work with an EL teacher to understand where your student is on the language acquisition timeline and adjust your lessons accordingly. Someone who's at a low intermediate stage will likely sound fluent, quote unquote, simply because their social language is developed and they likely have made friends chatting with whom is easy and rewarding. Now, keep in mind that the academic language is the one we want and need to focus on at school, and that is the one that involves complex vocabulary, grammatical and syntactical structures, and takes much longer to develop. And that is all for today. I shared a lot of information with you in this episode, but I think the number one takeaway that I want you to take with you today is this. It is very important for teachers and administrators to understand that there is a language acquisition timeline. That while, yes, as teachers, we have a say in what we teach, how we present the information to our English learners matters, and that it is not a quick process. In the coming episodes, I will be sharing more on what to expect at different language proficiency levels and how to make your classroom a success when you have an EL student or three at any proficiency level. As always, any questions or takeaways from this episode, send me a message on Instagram or shoot me an email. I'm always happy to hear from you. And if you're looking to transform your school's way of teaching and reaching English learners in all classrooms, I'd love to chat with you in person. Be sure to book my $0 consult, Lead ELs to Progress Without Overwhelm, during which we will pinpoint the root causes of your struggles in reaching multilingual learners. You will gain clarity on how collaboration between EL and general education teachers can help transform the culture in your school. And you will learn how my teacher clients create a system of serving English learners in their classrooms. To book a call, go to my website, simplyyeva.com forward slash lead, or follow the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening and until next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to do two things. First, make sure to subscribe to the ESL Teaching Podcast so you don't miss an episode. And second, leave a positive review wherever you listen on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform positive reviews will improve the chances of this podcast to be discovered in the feed and help our fellow ESL ELL teachers. And of course, there's a third thing. If you aren't following me on social media yet, come join me on Instagram at SimplyYevaESL, Facebook SimplyYeva, or connect with me on my website, SimplyYeva.com. Thanks again, and until next time.